0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. If you didn't bring your Bible, you'll have to leave. No, just kidding. We put the scripture on the screen for you. So you're good. You're with family. Mark chapter 5. We're going to start reading in verse number 1. Again, Mark 5.1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound, he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Whenever I'm reading the scriptures, I, I like to try to insert myself into the Bible. It helps bring it alive uh, for me, rather than it just being you know empty words on some uh, white pages. Uh, I-, I-, I like to I like to try to go to the story, go try to try to feel and experience what is happening there. Again, again, it helps bring the Bible alive to me. If you're uh, reading this passage of Scripture, Jesus and his disciples have just uh, come through a storm, and now they've come uh, across the lake to this region of the Gerasenes, and there is this man there, and this guy has the power to break chains, we're going to have uh, dad Fest, you know, a few weeks from now. I, I saw on the video and, and some of the dads will be trying to see how many, uh, time, how many reps they can get. Uh, I would encourage some dads to see who can break some chains as well at, at Dad Fest a few weeks from now. I, I, I'm a dad. I'm not breaking any chains. I try to go to the gym because my wife is so hot. I'm trying to keep up with her uh, for sure. But, but, but I don't have the strength uh, to break chains. I, I do like to see feats of strength you know you know who, which guy doesn't right I, I love to, to see a guy rip a phone book in half or or, or watching ESPN two uh, late at night when, when they got the world's strongest man competition or something I, I, I love to see these these feats of strength uh, but but this guy in the Bible, people have come up to him multiple times they put chains on his wrists and they put chains on his feet at times and this guy is so strong. He just breaks them. Over and over and over and over again, uh, this happens if you're looking at this guy. And when I look at this guy, I, I, I think it's possible, it's possible to look free, but not really be free. It's possible to, to look free, but not really be free. Here, this man can, can break chains, so, so he looks like he's free but he's not really free you can see a a lawyer you know she walks into of the room, and and she's strong, and she's got her suit on, and she's articulate, and and she is competent, and, and she controls the room. Matter of fact, people are even afraid of her. They know if you cross her, your career is over. This woman commands attention. She has incredible strength. She is a lawyer of lawyers, and people almost cower at her. They're afraid of her. It looks like she has everything together. But little do we know that it's actually anger that's running her life can have a have a guy that that is strong and has a great smile and he and he's and he's savvy and and he knows how to use his words and he's going from lady to lady to lady to lady he's got so many phone numbers so so many girls he's it's difficult for him to even keep up and and guys might look at him and celebrate him and think oh you're the man you're so strong look at you you can get any girl that you want to get and and little do we know that this guy that looks free Free is actually held captive by shame and insecurity. It's possible to look free, but not really be free. We see this in high schools. We see this in, in college, individuals that want to, to bully and try to control other people's behavior. And it looks like they might have everything together, but, but it's their own pain that's really driving them look free, but they're not really free. I, I, I wish I could say I don't know anything about this. I wish I could say this is just some scriptures that I read, and this is good for you, but, you know, I've arrived. I don't have that luxury. I, I understand, too, what it feels like to look free, but to not really be free. I gave I gave my heart to Christ when I was seven years old okay I, I was in, I would have been in uh people's church kids you know I, I I would have been hanging out with the ponies you know and and happy to be there my mom uh, raised my sister and I we we grew up in Providence Rhode Island I grew up in the inner city uh, of Providence Rhode Island and and uh, uh, my mom one day went to church and and the preacher was talking and 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 she gave her heart and life to Christ that day so once she did she started dragging me and my sister to church every single week. Parents, just so you know, bring your kids to church every single week. It will stick eventually, especially a church like this that is as life-giving and as loving and as strong as this place is. So my mom started bringing us to church. Well, well, I, I was at kids' church, and, and they were talking about Jesus and and said, you can give your heart to Him if you want forgiveness of your sins. And, and I saw some kids the week before. They got some Doritos when they came back from this room, and I thought, shoot. I'm am I'm not stupid, okay? Yeah. Give me some Jesus and some Doritos okay so I kept going week in and week out every week I gave my heart to Jesus because I love Doritos and fritos and all, and all those things uh, uh, but, but eventually I understood and began to understand what what I what I, what I had done and, and the commitment I had made to surrender my life to get on the path to following Christ but but at a, at a young age actually tragically uh, and now my father and I have have a good relationship but 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 when I was growing up he was not around very sporadic in my life at best. And one time when I was with him, I was exposed to pornography. And it was like a hook that grabbed a hold of me. Young man, I've given my heart to Christ, right? I'm on my way to heaven. But now I've, I've got this, this sin, this disease that is plaguing me. I'm continuing to grow up uh, in in high school. uh, uh, I I was one of the... One African American kids that left my neighborhood and went across town to this other uh, community preparatory school. It was actually a Providence Country Day School. I went there, and, and, and there was just a, a handful uh, of us minorities uh, in, in the school. I was president of my freshman, uh, my uh, I was uh, a president of my freshman class, president of my sophomore class, uh, junior class, president of the school my senior year. I'm playing football. I'm playing basketball. Uh, I'm gonna be the first one to graduate college. You know, in my family, my mom's side of the family I mean things are looking up people are patting me on the back my future is incredibly bright I looked free but I wasn't really free this, this pornography kept rearing its ugly head over and over and over and over again. And I remember the shame. I remember the guilt. I remember the, the insecurity. I remember uh, all the doubt that it would put in my brain. I, I remember a feeling like God must be mad at me. How can he still love me with this thing in my life? Am I talking to anybody here? Is it okay to be this real? Is it okay? Uh-uh. I'm just telling you, I'm made of the same stuff you're made of. Fast forward to college, and I'm on my way down to basketball practice, uh, uh, second semester of my freshman year, and this fine chocolate honey hair, permed, bright smile, jean jacket is walking towards me. I'm walking down to practice. I smile at her. Not a big goofy smile because I got a little bit of game, right? So it's like. But I get down to practice, and I say, oh, my goodness, man, there's a goddess on campus. This girl is so fine. She is beautiful. Uh, she would be my, my wife. And, uh, but, 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 but the sad thing is, I remember the summer before we got married, me still wrestling, fighting with this pornography. I know I'm called to be a pastor, and this thing is still tormenting me. I've got a woman that I love, and this thing is still tormenting me. I, I, I shared it with her. I, I had some accountability uh, in, in my life. What, what I'm doing right now is I'm just trying to take off some masks here, okay? Because we have a church, a people's church, that, that is saying, you don't have to come here perfect and have everything together in your life. You don't have to have every T-cross and every I-dotted. You can come to this church exactly how you are. Maybe you've been at churches where you better, you know, fake the funk, right? You better uh, put on a mask. You better say, God bless you, sister. Yeah, yeah, the Lord is good. Yeah, he's been so faithful. Uh, Yeah, uh, that's not this church. This church, we are saying take off every single mask here. Come as you are and have an encounter with the living God of the universe who can radically change and transform every nook and cranny of your life. I'll, I'll fast forward the story uh, here, because now I'm, I am some 16, 17 years free from pornography. Have not looked at one bit of it. I, I'm telling you, God is good and faithful. But I know what it's like to look free, but not really be free. And my stuff was pornography. Your Yours might be anger. It, it might be insecurity. It may be some abuse that you experienced a long time ago. It might be fear that has gripped your heart and your life, and, and you can't even enjoy life because your brain is working overtime about the negative things that could happen in this world. There could be all kinds of despair and guilt that is plaguing you. I, I don't know what your thing is, but you have a Father in heaven that knows what it is and he sent you here today to say today is the day of freedom and salvation and redemption in your life today's the day everything gets to change and that's not just good preachers speak. That is, that is me telling you that the God of the universe has his eyes set on you right now. And he is here in this place. And he is ready to get into your life and to shake you free from every single thing that has tried to hold you captive, your family captive. I'm talking generational curses. I'm talking things that your grandparents dealt with and they made its way to your parents and now you can see it in you and you're afraid because now it's getting on your kids. I'm telling you that those kind of chains can be broken. I'm telling you that he or she whom the son has set free is really free indeed. It's possible, I know, to look free but not really be free. But we're leaving here today different, my friends. I, uh, I have a friend of mine, uh, her, name, her name is Lauren Clark. She and her husband uh, moved uh, from Austin, actually, with my wife and I to help us plant this church in Dallas. Uh, wonderful, wonderful people. We, we love Sean and Lauren a ton. Lauren actually has, um, she has a horse, like a real one. I, I didn't totally have a compartment for this in my brain. Uh, we, we had dogs in my neighborhood, some people had some cats, but but no one no one had a horse, you know, that Maybe my little pony, you know, back in the day, I used to rip the heads off, you know, my little sister. But, 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 so that's what I'm thinking in my brain when when somebody says that they have a horse. But, but one day, Sean and Lauren are at our house. They're talking to my wife and I, and Lauren's crying because her, her horse is sick. And I know she's had this horse for a number of times. And as a pastor, you can be asked to do some things that are, that are different sometimes. And this particular day, she says, Hey, you know, Pastor Earl, uh, would you go with Sean and I, you know, to the stable and would you, would you pray for my, Horse. I guess. I guess you can lay hands on a horse, right? So uh, I left with Sean and Lauren, and, and we we went to, to to the stable. We 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 drive up. Uh, it's late at night. They turn on the lights uh, in the stable, and and I, I I meet Bert for the first time. This is a picture of Bert. We, we have one uh, here for you. I, I I I meet Bert for the first time. I was thinking, Pony, like the kids are riding today, Bert is massive. Okay, he's taller than me. I'm 6'2". He's taller. He's looking down at me. His muscles are bulging out of his body. And, and I, I honestly, honestly, this might be inappropriate, but I could have wet myself at that point in time. I was, I was so, so afraid. I'm thinking, this horse can do anything to me that it wants to do. I can't control this thing. Lauren takes the horse out of the stall. Okay, so now I'm thinking, this brother's about to run. I'm about to, I'm about to get out of here right now. Oh, Pastor Earl, okay, can you, can you pray, for my, pray for my horse? Okay, so I, I, I take my hand. I, I put it on the horse. I close one eye just... Because if, if the horse does something, I at least want to be able to run. I don't know where I will run because I can't outrun a horse, right? I mean, I'm not that fast. Uh, so I pray a quick prayer. Lord, help this horse. Heal him. Jesus' name. Amen. Please, Lauren, get the horse back in. Get the horse back in. And Lauren takes the horse. Pulls him back in to his little stall, closes the gate. Uh, I'm like, let's head out of here. But I started thinking, I started thinking, Lauren is only this tall. I mean, I'm, I'm stronger than Lauren, but she's taking this horse and just moving him around any which way she wants to take him. So so I asked Lauren, how how did you you get this horse to be like this, this compliant? She says, I I sent him away when he was young for somebody to break him. And this, this trainer broke him when he was young, training him on what it means to allow somebody else to control you, training Bert what it means to allow somebody else to ride on your back, training him what it means to be content to live in a stable. And anytime Bert got out of line, the trainer knew how to put him back in line. And for for weeks on end, Bert was here at this facility being broken. So then when Bert comes back to Lauren, now little bitty Lauren can control really large Bert because Bert at a young age was broken. Let me make a little bit of sense of your life for you right now. You were designed to be a thoroughbred. You were designed by God himself with the capacity and the strength Not to be held in a stable, but to be free on the horizons, running and doing anything that you please. You were designed to be eating on meadows deep on the other side of the land, gazing at the sunshine, galloping through the tulips. But when you were young, someone broke you. Someone said, let me let me train you how you should think. No, don't have those kind of dreams. Those dreams are too big for, for, for your family. You need to have some smaller dreams. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't go that far in life because, you know, you don't have the right education for that. You need to believe these kind of small things. And sometimes it comes through a coach. And sometimes it comes through a mother or a father. Sometimes it's your siblings or your cousin. Sometimes it's someone in high school or elementary school and this person comes and the enemy uses these words of doubt and disbelief to sow into our hearts things that God never designed to be in there and these words break us and they hold us captive so now we are adults, we are 20 somethings, 30 somethings, 60 somethings and we are content living in a stall being let out every now and then to gallop through a little pen and we're like oh yeah I'm blessed, my Life is free. This is the best gallop that I got, y'all. I don't don't have a a best gallop I got. So you're you're walking around in the pen thinking, oh, yeah, I'm free. Life is good. I'm happy. And God's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a fence around you right now that I never designed to have around you. There are some pastures. There are some places I designed for you to go. There is a, a world I have called you to touch. Here's the truth of the matter. God God doesn't make any junk. Since you're alive, that tells me you have purpose. I don't know. I don't know your story. I don't have to know your story. What I do know is the Lord. And I know these scriptures. And the scriptures teach me that the God of the universe fashioned you and formed you in your mother's womb. Tells me that God Had a plan Has a plan and purpose for your life And whether or not You know who your father is Or you know who your mother is Or there are so many siblings in your family Or you're an only child Or whatever your story might be It was not your parents idea To have you It was God's idea to have you And since it was God's idea To have you He impregnated you He He wired you with purpose He wired you with hope. He wired you with destiny. He wired you to believe big. He wired you to trust him for miracles. He wired you to dream further than you are right now. But because we got broken, we thought the life that we're living now is the life we were always supposed to live. But if I could talk to Bert for a second, I would say, Bert, you were never meant to be li- to live in a stable. You were meant to be free. People's church, you were meant, you were called, you were designed you were fashioned and formed to be free. You were, you were made to be a thoroughbred. Right now I can even feel like I'm fighting against some lies that you've been believing for your, in your life. Not all of us in here. If you're good here, man, congratulations to you. But there's some of us that are still fighting some lies in our brain. Some of us that are still believing that we're not smart enough, that we're, we're, we're not the right weight, that we're not the right height, that we're not the right color, that we need to be black in order to make something happen. We need to be white in order to make something happen. We need to be Hispanic. We need to be Asian. Oh, we need to be a mix of both. We, uh, we got all these reasons why we can't go where God has called us to go. And and I understand the world that we live in, and I understand that there are limitations in this world, but you and I have been designed by God to almost be like Neo in the Matrix. You remember... Me- but you, you, you were designed and wired not to live just in the confines of this world, but you were designed to live a kingdom-driven life, a God-breathed life, a life where you have been so changed and transformed on the inside that when people look at you, they actually think about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is what you were designed for. I'm not telling you anything you have not heard in this church. I just felt it necessary today to remind you and to remind myself, to remind myself that God is on our side, that he is working in our lives and we have not been designed to live in a stable. So I'm here today to say, get free people's church, get free people's church. And I got a scripture, I got a scripture to even go with it, okay? Galatians chapter five, verse number one. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1. It it, it says this. It is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for what? Freedom. Freedom. That Christ has set us free. Don't let ourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom. It's not for bondage. It's not for fear. It's not for insecurity. It's not for brokenness. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Who has set us free? Christ. Man, I like that. I like that, that you don't have to rely on Pastor Herbert to set you free. I like that you don't have to rely on your parents to set you free. I like that you don't have to rely on your job to set you free. I like that you don't have to rely on your bank account to set you free. I like that you don't have to put all your eggs in your kid's basket to set you free. I like that you don't have to rely on your husband to set you free. Single people, I like that you don't have to rely on a marriage, on a ring to set you free. I like that you don't have to rely on your grades to set you free. I like that you and I have the same access point, no matter where we are in this world, that Christ, Christ, Christ Christ the living Christ is here and is alive to set you and I free it is for freedom that Christ has set us free this this is what God did Man, this is what God did. God, God saw the brokenness in this world, put skin on, came into this world. Jesus Christ walking amongst men and woman, and he's healing and he was restoring, and he's taking burdens off of people, and he's opening blind eyes. He is freeing person after person after person after person. Then he gets up on this old rugged cross and he takes every single sin, every ounce of shame. He takes the sins you committed on accident. And the sins you committed on purpose. He takes every single lie. He takes every bit of brokenness. He takes all the shame and doubt. He takes the very wrath of God. And he puts that on himself. And he breathes that last breath. And he goes into a grave. But he does not stay there. On the third day. The God of the universe. Comes up out of this grave. And he says the freedom. The freedom that that I just purchased for you. Once you get in me, now you are free, just like I'm free. I've got, I'm preaching harder than I need to preach. i got two more services to go. Pray for me. I, I got these two beautiful boys. I was telling you about them. When I was, when I was a teenager... I prayed, I had a dream to be a husband and to be a father. I'm, I'm living my dream right now. I love, I, I love being a pastor. I feel I'm called to do that. But I love being a family man. I, I love it, I love it, I love it. Well, we got these two precious boys I was telling you about. Parker's our nine-year-old, and Grayson, he, he's, our, he's our three-year-old. Uh, Parker, we actually had biologically. Grayson, we adopted. It was a dream that we had since we are in college. We actually uh, picked Grayson up at Fort Sill, uh, not too far uh, from here. Isn't it close to here, right? Because um, I remember driving through Oklahoma City, picked him up when he was three days old. That fat little baby picked him up, and he looks like me, looks like my mom. It's like, God, just, he was perfectly designed for our family. Now, our younger, younger son, Grayson, he'll punch you in the face. He's a sweetie, too, but he'll, I mean... He's got a little bit of gangster in them, okay? Just, just, a little bit. My, my older, my oldest son. Uh, he he is precious and, and wonderful, strong young man. He's just kinder, you know. He understands people and, and the situation a, a whole lot more. Uh, just just has a, has a different disposition uh, than his younger brother. So I, I like to wrestle with my boys, right? And we get in there and we go at it. And, and, and Grayson, being three, you know, he's just oh man, you, you never know where a blow is going to be coming from or where it's going. It's like you got you got to watch yourself. Uh, Parker, he's nine, so he's kind of you know figured out. Okay, daddy, we're just playing here. Uh, but but Parker has been doing this thing now where he says, Daddy, Daddy, stop, stop. Daddy, Daddy, stop. I'm going to go get into my mode. Stop, Daddy. So he literally, he goes over into the corner, (laughs) gets down on his knees. I don't know what he is doing. I just know he's quiet. He'll sometimes put a pillow over his head. Sometimes put the blanket over him. And he'll just sit there And for 30 seconds, he's not doing anything. And then he gets up. And he's got that crazy eye look, you know. (laughs) And my sweet son has now transformed into this this little kid that I can't can't control. Before, I I could kind of contain him. But now it's like he has seven legs and they're coming from every which way and he's like, "Dad, you can't you can't hold me." And he is fighting me and he's pushing me. I feel like I feel like people's church, we've got to get into our mode when it comes to our walk with God. That some of us have been content just kind of playing We need to stop. Oh. Go get away on Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm coming to church. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to be in my house. I'm going to be in my apartment. I'm gonna, kids, shut up for a second. Shut, shut up. Shut up. Or be quiet in the name of the Lord. And, and, <laughs> come get on your knees. Father, I thank you that you know my past, but it doesn't dictate my future. I thank you, Father, that my, my shortcomings don't determine the purpose that you have for my life. I thank you that the brokenness that I've gone through are lies from the pit of hell and those things will be used as testimonies to push me forward. I thank you, God, that the scars that I have don't define me but the cross of Jesus Christ defines me. I thank you, God, that I'm not who I used to be and you are shaping me into the person you call me to be and take some time out to get into our mode And to come back and start living lives that aren't about our fame, that aren't about necessarily our joys and our comforts but a life that is focused on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, a life that is utterly surrendered to, the, to Jesus, a life that recognizes that the cross is still for us and the blood that he shed all those years ago is still good today and not live just in our past, but live in the hope of our present and the future that God has for us. This, my friends, is where we begin to walk in the freedom that God has designed for every single one of us. This is what he has for me and this is what he has for you.